It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at ClipItTV. You're listening to BGN Radio. Three-man front comes charging, fake handoff, dropping back by Foles, launches a long spiral, back of the end zone, far side, leaping, two-handed, falling down, catch made by Jeffrey! What a catch! Touchdown, Philadelphia! 34-yard pass! An acrobatic... Two-handed falling down, twisting catch in the back of the end zone. He beat Rowe, and the Eagles go up on top, 9-3, to three, late first quarter. Oh, what's going on, Super Bowl Champion Nation? It is episode number 300 and i guarantee you that actually sounded a lot better than we tried to do it yesterday <laughs> it is john barcher james seltzer and energy of bleeding green nation.com mr brandon lee gouton uh coming off of 33 hours of being awake in a kalamazoo airport in a minneapolis airport and uh thank you so much for just waiting for episode 300 because we wanted to make sure that all the horses were together for this one and i got to start out and just by saying like what an incredible couple of days this has been uh, if you have missed out on any of the stuff that we have done, uh, I was uh, on the air last night with the WIP. If you wanted kind of a, a general reaction of what was happening around the city, uh, we also did. Uh, James came up with a brilliant idea as we're at the Fillmore a day before. He goes, why don't we just walk to Broad Street from where we're at when they win this thing? And, and, and we didn't use... Uh, if a lot of that time we just said when this happens we're just going to start from the film where we're going to walk to broad street and that's what we did that is also up in your our feeds right now um there's not a lot of coherent analysis or breakdown because that was the first time doing a show as we're just walking along and there's horns galore there's we're cursing a lot in it we're going crazy <laughs> like everybody around us and uh you know thank you to, to angel and tim and uh, tk uh brian coulter uh, casey, casey young, young. 
and yeah. John Stolnes was there for a little bit. We all just started walking. It's just it's just the atmosphere of what was going on as we walked to Broad Street, and it was so much fun. Uh, and thank you again to everybody that came out to the Fillmore. And uh, there was a lot of people. Ollie was there from the UK who tried to buy us beers right away. So thank you to him, and certainly a lot of people that were there to take pictures with James. And I'm sorry if we missed anybody. We were just going in and out. We had there was a lot of stuff going on. I'm, I'm having so many crazy memories. There's Trey Thomas that's sitting next to me, and I go, my God, you were in the Super Bowl I watched before I, was, I could drink a beer, and now like we're watching it together, and there's just this crazy atmosphere. It felt very game-like at the Fillmore, so thank you so much to them and their staff for putting that on and together. Like They had pyrotechnics on the stage. There was confetti at the end of this thing. What an incredible moment it is to be in Philadelphia, and more importantly, as uh, we're all connected at the hip together, uh, no matter where you live or where you are as Eagles fans as we stand here this week and just more and more stories keep coming out Nick Foles the set of cojones on you sir we were saying Doug the set of cojones that you have to call the Philly special at fourth and goal it comes out today that on Inside the NFL, which is about airing it out 30 minutes before we're recording this, Nick Foles is the one that goes up to Doug and what do you think about Philly Philly? Not Philly special. He drops a Philly Philly. Doug takes a half a second pause and looks at him. So, yeah, let's do it. And then that's how it happens. Like, what an amazing fucking football team this is, James Seltzer. I'm so happy. And we're not going to come off this high for years. It's ours. Nobody can take it. That John, that's the thing. No one can ever take this away from us. No one can ever take this team, this season, this Epic, epic feeling that we have that night, John. I, I want to e- echo that. Ollie didn't try and buy us beers. He bought me a beer, that's for sure. Shout out to Ollie. We met so many people. I met a guy from Denmark, people from Canada, people from all over. Just it felt so communal. Like this whole thing that we've been doing here, and and you know the podcast we started, you know, a little over four years ago, and now to to be at the Super Bowl with people who listen and are part of this community, and and just how special it all felt to share that moment with everybody and and like you said John the film war was was insane like I still yeah, have pieces crazy. I still keep finding pieces of confetti in my clothes and on my wife open up my wallet today a little piece of confetti in it it is uh it, it was awesome and um I, I mean look like we said you know we planned it 300th episode we'd be here talking about a Super Bowl victory and and it happened this way uh but I, I I've never been more excited to talk about anything in my life I feel like I'm running on fumes and yet I could uh, uh, talk about this for the rest of my life without ever stopping. I want to watch the game on repeat for the rest of my life. I want every highlight and every sound clip and every press conference clip and everything just pumped directly into my veins. That's how I feel about this. I'm sure that's how a lot of people out there feel. Uh, I just want to, you know, it, it, I'm so happy. It's You get speechless thinking about what it means, listening to the callers on WIP, talking to family members, talking to my uncle who was at Franklin Field back in the day and all this type of stuff where it's just the emotion and and I really truly believe I said it before the game and and I feel it even more now. I feel like it's going to have a profound effect on this fan base, on this city, on the way we look at the world. Everyone's just happy now, man. You know, you just feel happy. It feels different. It feels like we all feel like different people than we woke up Sunday morning. And uh, it's special, man. 
uh, speaking of uh, feeling special, as I should probably turn on my microphone while hey. doing so. Uh, I mean, what a what a what a great moment for BLG to be out there, and the same thing. Of I, I know you are kind of feeling the same way, Brandon. Where it's just those you started as an Eagles fan during all those those runs from like '99 and on, uh, and to be there for not only just. Probably your first Super Bowl, the, the Eagles are are winning in it. What was the atmosphere like in Minneapolis? It was pretty cool, man. And I think back to just even before getting out there, how we had that pod last week, and I, I told you guys I felt like I had seen into the future, and I had seen that the Eagles were going to win, and I had this confidence. I remember taking off on the flight and texting you guys uh, that, you know, I'm on the plane, I'm headed out, and I thought to myself at that moment that the next time that I land in the city – the Eagles are going to be Super Bowl champions, yeah, and they were. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so uh, it, it was awesome out there, though. Uh, the people were really nice individually. You know, the Vikings fan thing early in the week when they were, like, booing the Eagles at media day is just the lamest thing ever. But for the most part, I want to say that the people of Minnesota were very nice indeed. Uh, it was cold, but, you know, if like it came back home today, and it was, it, like, it's Maybe a little chilly here, but not by the standards out there. So now I am just adjusted to cold. And as far as so it's summertime is what you're saying. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is nothing. I got home today. But as far as like the game and everything out there, I mean, that was incredible. I think uh, I've never really been to an Eagles game that hasn't been a home game. So, you know, I'm always used to Eagles fans cheering when things go right. But you know, there was a lot of there was a ton of Eagles fans out there at that game, and way more than Patriots fans. But there were Patriots fans there. Whenever the Patriots did something good, or you know, if there, the Eagles were, you know, on that fourth down play late in the game where Nick Foles completes it to Zach Ertz, the crowd was getting loud to try to you know break up the Eagles. So you know, there was a lot of Patriots fans there too. It was an amazing atmosphere to be there live and and just to watch that Brandon Graham strip sack live and just hear the the air get sucked out of the stadium for a second from the Patriots fans at least and just even the Eagles fans I think they were just in the shock just like disbelief that that actually happened uh it was almost like someone died out there on the field it was just like (laughs) it was like (gasps) and then it was just insane and I was shaking the guy next to me uh, I like uncontrollably and just yelling, "Oh my God!" Because I couldn't believe it as I was watching it. It was just, it was real crazy. And then I just remember, you know, that that pass in the end zone on the final play of the game. I, I thought it was going to be completed. I couldn't even tell from where I was because on the opposite side of the field. But I saw Eagles players run out into the field, and the game was over. And I just held my head in my hands, and I was just like, "This is ridiculous!" Like the Eagles has won the Super Bowl. Yeah, certainly, uh, James and I, on that strip sack, too, I mean, like, there was a moment where we just both held our heads for a moment, and we just looked at each other, we lost it, and we started hugging each other, and then, we were, and then I pulled back, I was like, wait, John wait, wait, did. I, I was like, wait, I'm like, wait, I'm like, ah, uh, ah we're uh, gonna do it, and he's like, zeros, zeros, zeros I need zeros, there's <laughs> too much time, I need them to score one more time, and then we'll be good, and uh, yeah, it was it was complete chaos, and in fact, like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to Merrill, uh, you know, make this call here if the Eagles can come up with their one turnover of the game right here that would be what a what a prediction he steps up he's hit and falls forward and he fumbles the football and the Eagles have it it is recovered by yeah it is recovered by Barnett 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 Barnett. 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 Barnett Barnett has 
the ball. They found the turnover. It's just like, I, I, I'm going, what? I, and I want, listen, I love Merrill to death, but you have got to hear probably one of the greatest of all time that does not get enough recognition in this country. This is this is my friend Kevin Harlan making that call. Brady's in the gun. Four-man rush. Brady moves up. He's hit the ball. George free. It's picked up by Philadelphia. Picked up on the play by Barnett. It was loose, and Brady was trying to throw. He was hit the ball, jarred free. And Barnett, the rookie, picks it up for the Eagles. Kevin Harlan, to me, if you can have an opportunity to find the full game anywhere, call this thing brilliantly. Like, I've I just been swimming in all these different grip, uh, clips, BLG. Like, I'm, I'm just, I can't believe, even today, the first time that I think I started to realize that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, was today. I was listening back like why we were all just going down the street and just going like, oh my God, this is really, really happening. And I think it's it's sunk in real quick for others, but I, I don't know, BLG, I keep uncovering nuggets. And and by the way, this is, in, in case you haven't heard it already, look at the set of balls on Nick Foles as we were talking about this thing, man. We're going for it right here. We're going for it right here. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Hold on, hold on. Philly special. Ready? Holmes in the gun. Here we go, here we go. Clement to his right. Tonight! Now lines easy, up behind Foles. Kill, kill! Foles. Lane, Moves to the right. It goes directly to Clement. Reverses it. The pass goes into the end zone. And it is a touchdown by Nick Foles. <laughs> Are you kidding me, man? Are you absolutely kidding me? Like, the uh, that, that to me, BLG, when... When Nick Foles goes up to Doug Peterson, just like we we're saying, this encapsulates everything that we thought Doug Peterson was. When you hear that he's listening to all his players, there wasn't a second of, <laughs> of hesitation at all. Hey, I want to do that really crazy fucked up play right now at fourth and goal. Uh, and and then as like uh, oh who was it? Uh, Pat uh, Pat Gallon had mentioned it was like he was ordering a steak or chicken. Like yeah, you okay with steak? Yeah, let's do that. It's it's an incredible team, BLG. I, that's that's how I want to keep finding as we're going through all these clips and interviews. When I was talking to some of the players out there uh, leading up to the game last week, I was asking them about you know, what is it about Doug that makes him special, and specifically, I was prompted to do that by something Vinnie Curry had said when he was just talking about Doug, and he said that Doug Peterson is the most genuine guy he knows and so I went and asked him about that like what makes Doug the most genuine and and all of those players on that team that I talked to said the same thing they all said Doug just listens to us and that's just so and they specifically said that's so unlike any other football coach that they've had before you know whether uh, it could be Chip whoever even in college it's just usually in the NFL or even in college with the head coach it's often my way or the highway and that's just not Doug, man. He is selfless in some respects. He, you know, he has that confidence in himself to call the, the big plays like that. And he didn't in that case. But, I mean, he he could have shot down Nick Foles and he didn't. He said, no, let's do that. Great idea. He trusts his players. That's such a I think that's such a big thing that me that might get underrated. It's and it's not just in terms of, uh, you know, you t- you're taking Nick Foles. Uh, suggestion there or you're you're adding a play that Carson Wentz ran in college to your playbook it's not just about 
calling the plays. It's it's putting them in those positions. He's like, yeah, of course we're going to go for it. I'm going to trust my guys to make this play, and I think that makes the team better because I think the players feel like, hey, this our coach believes in us. Let's go reward him for doing that. You know, like let's make him look good and ourselves look good in the process. So I think that's an awesome dynamic to this team and one of the awesome dynamics about Doug being so aggressive is that I think it inspires the the players to play better and to reward their coach. So a uh, great call by Nick Falls there. Obviously, you know, I was I was wrong. I was wrong about Nick Falls in the sense <laughs> that I did, I, did, I didn't think I didn't think he could play that well, and honestly, I think you're lying to me if you're a big Nick Foles fan and you told me you were gonna you expected him to play that well because he played like out of his mind. No way. I don't think yeah. anyone could have predicted that. That's just an, and especially just coming from how bad he was at the at the end. Like he was legitimately bad in the Raiders game. Like no one was like I know it was cold, whatever doesn't matter like he was horrible he was missing wide open wide receivers so my faith was not high especially because i had seen him do that in 2013 and now look like i still get frustrated with some of the fullest things that's already come out and i have to talk about it I, i'm seeing like ruben frank say that uh yeah this is kind of blasphemous yeah well that's yeah, just stupid this it is, is blasphemous just he like, should have just stopped talking after he said this that's this why that's part of my like why I get annoyed at the whole Nick Foles thing. And I said that, that like, I don't have a high patience for that. Cause that's like stupid. I'm already hearing that, but I don't want to focus on that too much. Uh, I just want to get back to the Super Bowl talk. Yeah. It, it was just awesome. Uh, Doug Peterson's a legend. Nick Foles is a legend. I mean, Carson Wentz is a legend too. He got the team to, he's the one, you know, who took this team and he put him in that position. His last game was the game where they clinched the division. He did a lot of the heavy lifting to get this team to clinch the division. And from there, Foles only had to win a couple games against some bad teams to, to clinch that number one seed. So, you know, Carson didn't take us home to in the playoffs. But, I mean, he, he he set up this team for the success they had. He deserves a ton of credit. Doug Peterson, Howard Roseman for assembling this team. Nick Foles for stepping in. I mean, that's the, the awesome thing about I think this Eagles team is that they really got contributions from just everyone on this team. It's not like there's this one star player. You know, it's not like I think of like the Giants necessarily. I know they've won a ring, but I'm saying like when I think of the Giants, I think of just, you know, Odell Beckham. Like that's the identity of that team is almost just like that one player. It's not the case here. It's the whole team. It's awesome to see. And I think it just makes it that much more rewarding to, to have this Super Bowl win where it's shared not only, you know, it's it's just shared among everyone, the coaches, the, the, the you know, Harry Roseman and the personnel staff and Joe Douglas and the city and all of the players. Like, it's, it's just shared between everyone, and it's an awesome feeling. Yeah, well, I think that's the beautiful thing is that this is a team. Like, it's the best example, exemplification of a team I've ever seen in my 36 years of watching Philadelphia sports. Like, these guys all love each other. These guys are family. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins, the words that he said in the locker room after the game keep sticking with me, and I brought this up on take one of the uh, the 300th episode, so uh, I, I keep coming back to it. It's that <laughs> and, important to and me. And for those that have been with us the longest, it got Shil Kapadia. So, uh, yeah, it, once it, again, RIP. Yeah, amazing. I had to bring it up. Um, but I, um, uh, the Jenkins said in the locker room, he said, you know, I've been in the NFL for nine years. 
I ain't never been a part of lo- nothing like this. And they said, I ain't never seen nothing like this. And that's what it felt like. It felt like a different team. It felt like a team that could come back from that type of adversity. They could lose Carson Wentz. I mean, we could talk about losing Peters. We could talk about losing Hicks, Sproles, Maragos, all that stuff. They lost the MVP of the league at the most important position, a position that is like impossible to replace. There aren't any of enough starters in the league at that position. And they lost the guy and they were still able to go climb that mountain and win the title. And and BLG, I think you hit on it a lot there. I mean, uh, look, Howie Roseman gets a ton of credit for for building the roster and amazing amount of credit. Same with Joe Douglas, but at least the Super Bowl itself and this playoff run, I mean... That was Doug Peterson putting his, my balls are so big I can't even walk balls on the table and just saying, like, I, I am a, I am an amazing play caller. I am the best play caller in the sport. But the amazing thing about Doug Peterson is that he also is the best culture builder in this sport. He's exactly, we've said this before, but it's like he's what we all thought Chip was going to be. He has built an offensive, you know, genius-type playbook. He calls plays in the right moment unconventionally, is willing to call any play in any moment at any time. And then on top of that, he's also a guy who can get this culture, these guys to to buy into what he's selling and be a part of something bigger than themselves. And you hear it. You hear it in the locker room speeches after every single game, the way these guys are unified. And, and I think that's why the entire national media, except for like Dan Graziano and Robert Mays or whatever, <laughs> and the entire national media picked against the Eagles because – They didn't see it, whereas 99% of this city knew. Like you said in the beginning, John, Like we weren't saying if, we were saying when. Because we knew that this team was going to do it because we saw them every day. We saw what they were. We saw this group of guys that was so much bigger than just the the team and and the execution the the look I mean that's the beautiful thing about this Super Bowl they beat the Patriots not just fluky not just this not a bad call not luck they beat their asses they were the better football team they had better coaching what up Bill Belichick Ayo. and they executed better I mean we I can't believe we've gone to this far in the podcast and I haven't even mentioned the offensive line those big boys won that game uh, just and again to the point I mean Doug Peterson the positions he put Nick Foles in to succeed and then for Foles to execute like that it's just the whole run is too much to believe it is. It's a. It's a sports movie on steroids, on crack, on heroin, on everything. It's. It's just. It's the. It's the perfect way. We Jack Fritz always said, "I want our first time to be special." It could not have been more special than this. Yeah. There, no way. And uh, there's just, you know, an unexpectedness. A. I, there's just so many other different things that, that go through your head when you're thinking about this season. But the thing I most keep coming back to is just like it wasn't just that, like you were saying, James, it wasn't just that the, they were getting killed by the national media, that they weren't a great team. It was every person in this locker room at some point or another has been told you're not that good or like it's just you you don't deserve to be here. Foles is definitely on the top of that list and certainly the focus is there. But Jesus, I mean, Jason Kelsey. Yep. You know, like I can't Nelly tell you. Aguilar. Yeah. And Nelson Aguilar, even to a point, And I still think he's underappreciated for his performance in the Super Bowl. Al- Alshon Jeffrey mm-hmm. not, not being told 
told that he's not a premier wide receiver. I want to see one person in the world on that first touchdown catch uh, uh, going up against our good friend Eric Rowe. I want I want you to take the ten best receivers in the world, and I want I want to ask if they can do what he did on that play. I mean that that is. That, to me, is one of the best catches I've ever seen. Forget it's even the Super Bowl. That's a ridiculous catch to go up high like that, turn your body, come down with the football, secure it, and get both feet in. Like, that's that's why he was here in the first place. That's why he's going to continue to be here to make all those plays. And honestly, BLG, I thought Alshon Jeffrey, if we were looking for the Alshon game this entire year, there it was. There were so many different exciting plays. And yes, and Zach Hurts and the, the, the bullshit fake controversy with Collinsworth. And <laughs> if you want to know why I don't trust in peace, FF, well, there you go, man. I mean, like, God <laughs> almighty, I can't believe that. I'm so glad we didn't have to listen to him. Uh, I, I heard it on the replay, and I was just blown away by all that. But the, to BLG, to me, this is a team of, of well, you're you're just okay, or you're not that good. You didn't get a scholarship to hear. You didn't, you know, you weren't a premier player when you came in. You didn't, you know, this is a team that really worked hard. Corey Clement is on that same thing. I told, I said he was just a guy in training camp, and he worked his way, and he worked his way, and he kept working, he kept working. And he made he made it so they put a dude on IR who didn't need to be on IR. They made it so Wendell Smallwood was an inactive part of this roster. Like he came to work. How about that Honda baby? How about that Lexus? <laughs> because that's what he looked like during this game. I mean, like he was barreling dudes. He was dragging everybody with him. That large, like fifty-five yard pass that he had. He's just saying, "There's a nope, nope, oh, awesome. nope." He kept going. He kept going. He kept going. Like this is a team of just tank engines that will say. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. That was the entire theme. And BLG, I asked the guys, I did a hit in, in, in Rochester, New York, a bunch of Buffalo Bills fans, and I had to ask them, hey, man, what was this for the rest of the world? Because this was the greatest Super Bowl we've ever been a part of, and that's not going to change, but like, what was it for you? And they paused for a moment. They go, listen, there's probably been better, and I want to answer that question maybe in a week or two, but this was a, definitely a top three like Super Bowl of all time. My question to you is, BLG, isn't this one of the greatest stories in the NFL? And I'm surprised that it's that it, that's not what's being kind of told by the rest of the national media. Everybody's focusing on Malcolm Butler. And certainly there's some big breaking news with the, with the Patriots and the Colts that we need to get into on this podcast. But uh, I think this is one of the greatest NFL stories ever that the way that they went in and won this thing, BLG. Yeah, I think Vince Quinn will be doing an, an upon further review on this. <laughs> yeah, when, he, when, when, he's, yeah, when he's 60 years old. Uh, <laughs> I remember, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, and, and a quick thing on the Alshon thing, too. I mean, Jordan Matthews would obviously make that catch. I would take Jordan Matthews <laughs> oh, over, yeah, over Alshon. <laughs> yeah, if average. they would have just oh. kept Jordan Matthews, everything they would have won two Super Bowls. Now I guess we have to start saying. <laughs> Yeah, but there's just so many. I think there's a, there was a, a good fan post on bleedinggreennation.com about this midway during the season. Just so many players on this team, as you said, John, who have been doubted and given up on in, in some ways. Or uh, the obvious ones are there. You look at even Jay Ajayi. You know, the Dolphins gave up on him, and you know, like Legarrette Blunt. We all thought, you know, there was talk he was, he was going to get cut before the season. And you can just go. I'm like, I'm looking at the roster right now, and I'm just going down, and you can find something like about anyone. Corey Clement, obviously, Corey Clement, I think is really incredible. Just the way, you know, I, I don't think we were totally off base when we said he was just a guy back when we said it, because I think we were looking at what we saw 
in college and and how he projected into the NFL. And I think if he didn't work on his game as hard as he did, he probably would be that player we were more expecting. But the thing we didn't give him enough credit for is just reinventing himself as a player. Like Deuce Staley wanted him to lose weight instead of instead of adding it on and, and bulking up and kind of being more of a power guy. He he wanted him to lose weight and kind of become that third down back, a guy who can catch some passes and a guy who can contribute as a pass blocker and be productive when his number is called as a runner. Like that's that's really good coaching by Deuce Staley to really get him uh, into shape and get him into to mold him into a player that could have success and really great work ethic by Corey to come in here and commit to that because some players, you know, they're not going to take that advice. They're they're going to do whatever they think is best, and that wasn't the case. Corey Clement was selfless. He worked hard. He worked himself into this role, and that's awesome to see. And then you know, tying it back in to like not only is it a great job by the player and a great job by the coaching staff, but great job by. Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman and the personnel staff to get that guy as an undrafted free agent. You know, we were all criticizing them, especially me, about how they didn't draft a running back. But, you know, they picked up a pretty nice player there, an undrafted free agency. So, you know, big credit to them for doing that. Again, you can look up and down this roster at players who were written off or given up on. Uh, you know, you can look at Jake Elliott, you know, the Bengals gave up on him too soon and he ended up making, and I think that's probably one of the most underrated plays in the Super Bowl is that, you know, he hits that 42 yard field goal to make it an eight point game. Like, and you know, he, he apparently makes these kicks, you know, the ones that aren't easy. He misses the easy (laughs) ones. So, well, yeah, I I always said if he, if he misses an extra point, he's good for a clutch kick later on in the game. That's fine (laughs) by me. I'll take that every time. and, And frustrating in the moment, but I mean, again, there's just so many guys like that on this team. Michael Kendricks, you know, Jason Kelsey, guys who we thought were thought going to be traded, and they just stepped up. And then the, the guys who, even like Patrick Robinson, you know, who we thought was going to be cut in training camp, another one of those guys just stepping up and, and having those roles on this team. And, and then the, the unheralded guys, like Kamu Gruje-Hill taking the kickoffs in the Cowboys game when Jake Elliott gets hurt. like Those little moments that just make up this season. It's been incredible. Again, everyone has really contributed to this win. I think you could not script it more perfectly than you... like This is the ultimate Philadelphia Super Bowl win. Which is unfortunate in the sense that, like, you know, it would be great if Carson was here, but it's more fitting in the terms of, like, this is Philadelphia, the underdog. Uh, they win in a, an improbable way. It's like Rocky. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that's what it is. It's like, you know, you know this, this scrawny, uh, you know, unprofessional boxer comes in, and, and that's like what the Eagles were. They were this underdog. They came in, and no one gave them a chance in terms of the national media, but the whole city was behind them. That was a special thing. The whole city was behind this team. It took, you know, some people longer than others, I think, at points. But I think after the Falcons game, I think really everyone started to believe. And if not by then, the Vikings game for sure. So uh, it's just I, I don't know when the last time that is to something like that happened. Just to think that the Eagles were in the Super Bowl and we expected them to win. We had full confidence they were going to do that. Like that's not the usual Philadelphia sports experience. And I think that's a great thing because maybe that bucks a trend. Maybe that says maybe the fact that the Eagles won this now, we can look back and always be like, yeah, we can have that hope because we saw them pull it off. And that doesn't mean they're going to pull it off every year, but it means it can happen now and we're not cursed. And this team 
can be a city of champions and they are a city of champions they are the city of super bowl champions and that will live on forever absolutely it will and that's uh no no more personified and i'm gonna go back to jason kelsey because i just need to hear his balboa right at the end of the game one more time from rocky balboa himself it's not about how hard you get hit it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And that's been this organization. That's been this team all year. And that, that that's the beautiful thing too, because Kelsey, it's like the dichotomy of him on the field with that raw, you know, pure emotion. And then you hear him after the game with with a different kind of raw emotion where he's really, you know, uh, thoughtful and, and uh, you know, thinking about his career and talking about he didn't get a scholarship and he's crying and it, he brings up this quote from his grandfather, which is crazy because when I worked for the Eagles and I used to go around the locker room with little microphone and and asked them questions one of the questions i asked one time was what's your most prized possession and he told me a quote from my grandfather that i keep in my locker about no persistence way. i wish i still wow. had the audio and then i hear him talk about that i'm like oh my god like that's that's the thing he's talking about but um i, I think that's a perfect example of the type of guy that that like Brandon was just talking about, that this season is is so exemplative of of a guy who we all counted out. We were talking about getting traded or or cut, and and has an All Pro season. You know, leads this team all the way to the Super Bowl. I'm I'm sure was a crucial member in, in even ways we didn't talk about with a backup quarterback coming in and how important it is for the center with calling out protections and everything. Just a a monster all season long. And to BLG's point about you know we're Super Bowl champions. And then the cra- it's so surreal, and yet we knew it was going to happen. Like BLG said, we're going into this game saying we're going to win the Super Bowl. We woke up. I picked John up to go to Tollman Joe's, and I'm like, we're winning the yeah. Super Bowl today. We and took a picture with the Ice with Lombardi the, trophy. And John we're like, Rose soon. soon, yeah, <laughs> like that. That's the thing, and it's it's just been so surreal, and it's it's this weird feeling right now where it's like the season's over, and I'm listening to all these podcasts, you know, Bill Simmons sad and crying and and it's awesome and I'm listening to other podcasts which is Jack Fritz called like it's like Eagles porn which I can't get enough of and it's just so surreal because I'm so used to it this time talking about what we could have done better, talking about what we have to look forward to for next season or what could go wrong or what went wrong or what could go right or whatever. There's none of that. Like I'm not thinking about anything bad that happened all season long. All I'm thinking about is the fact that we are the champions of the world. Super Bowl champions. Dallas Cowboys fans, suck it. New York Giants fans, suck it. Washington racist name fans, <laughs> suck it because you can't say that to us anymore. We got a ring. We got a brighter future than all of you assholes. And I, I got to do this one time. We've been tired and watch out. Yes, but- yes. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl fucking champions! (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Oh, man! We don't have to turn off the Xbox or the PS4. It's like a thing that actually happened. You know, like all the memes are dead. Like it's, uh, and this is, you know, we had talked leading up to this game. This is what it feels like when you break something. This is it. This is when you pass through that threshold of, you know, and especially now. God almighty, you just look at the rest of the division and what the, what this team has already accomplished. And certainly we've all talked about it at some point. I mean, we haven't seen, we've seen barely a sniff of Sidney Jones. We've barely seen a sniff of 
what Carson Wentz can do in the playoffs. Uh, we haven't seen it at all, in fact. We have uh, a hungrier Wentz who just watches his yeah. teammates win a title and wants to win one himself, I'm We just sure got engaged, it. by the way. Congratulations to uh, to Carson on and the engagement. Maddie, right? Yeah. Uh, so, like, there's, there's still so much more to do. Jason Peters wants to come back. Darren Sproles wants to come back. Chris Long says he's staying. In fact, he goes, I'm coming back, motherfucker. I think that's a pretty clear sign. I wouldn't be surprised if LeGarrette Blunt wants to ride one more time with this crew. And why wouldn't you? Uh, more importantly here, as some things have unfolded even today as we're recording this. Uh, your future head coach of the <laughs> Indianapolis Colts decides to say, no, thank you. After the Indianapolis Colts from its official Twitter account and everything else said that they were going to introduce their new head coach, Josh McDaniels. Wow. Well, uh, Robert Kraft decided to change his mind before that ended up happening. <laughs> and in fact, Josh McDaniels is heading back to the New England Patriots, which gets everybody starting to talk more or less. Why would you do that if you have a head coaching opportunity <laughs> and you go, well, that probably means that maybe Bill's leaving and maybe that's a little uh, more or less happening uh, quite soon. Also, as Adam Schefter is is also saying, uh, he got it from, texted from a source that Kraft will literally do anything to fuck them over because of Deflategate. So if that means that it oh, means detracting like, and giving him, him more like money. Offered him like $10 million to be an OC or something. Yeah, and plus just like, listen, Bill's going to hang around around for one more year and then it's yours I could totally see that happening uh, I see Ross Tucker even mentioning right now hey Jim say hop on your plane to Philly and talk to Reich talk to Filippo and Schwartz before they have the parade on Thursday hey Ross and shut think, the hell yeah, up Ross, bro I love you man I love your podcast I love yeah, all stuff but you. shut up shut man, up, man. <laughs> uh, so that thought crossed my mind but BLG I mean the more and more that this keeps happening and the more stories that come out what they did with Malcolm Butler uh, is is I, I have well interesting because I was on the air last night. Uh, Joe uh, Santa 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 Laquito Santa Laquito had had called in. His vibe was when he was talking to Boston people was that he is the the biggest source of the Wickersham article. And Bill found out way too late this week that that was happening during a media day. So he goes, "Guess what, pal? Uh, nope, you're not gonna. I'm not gonna. Play, I'm gonna let you play during the Super Bowl." And if you think that's crazy, uh, people at the Senior Bowl that we have had down there uh, have told us the same things. If there is a prospect that uh, goes to the media and says, yes, I met with the Patriots, they take them off the board because they do not believe in, in literally even that much leaking out from that place, which sounds very cultish uh, and crazy and like you know if you can't handle some of those things coming out you better go win football games and like there's different ways to handle that but um, BLG I think the dynasty's over and I think Doug Peterson and Nick Foles killed it is is that off base <laughs> no I don't think they killed it I you can't kill the dynasty but no they, they killed the run they didn't kill they the end, legacy they, they ended, ended the, the dynasty. dynasty yeah no they started a new one that's the oh! <laughs> that's but seriously like that's what I was envisioning when Carson Wentz back when he was healthy and part of the reason I got so upset obviously when he got hurt is that that was the vision in my head that Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz were going to go to the Super Bowl and not only were they going to win and that was going to be awesome but the consequence of that beating the Patriots would be hey this is a chance to dethrone the old dynasty in the NFL 
and start a new one. And that's something that's very much on the table for this Eagles team. I mean, it's not going to be the same exact team next year. You, you have guys like Trey Burton, Patrick Robinson, uh, even Nigel Bradham. We'll see who's back. I think they'll try to keep Bradham. We'll see. Uh, some of these guys are not going to be able to keep the Eagles are, are over the cap by $9 million right now, so they have to clear some money just to get under in the first place. So it's not going to be the same team. And, you know, Carson might not be fully 100%, especially early in the season. But overall, in the long term, at least, like the main pieces are here, guys. You have the head coach. He might be one of the best head coaches in the league. Like that's something that's that's huge. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That's huge. And then you have Harry Roseman and Joe Douglas who have proven that they're able to kind of fill in those pieces like you need those foundational pieces yes but then from there it's about all right how do we get some of these uh how do we get some of these players like patrick robinson or you know a chris how do we bring in some of these other players to really contribute and now that we've seen howard roseman and joe douglas do it you have to have some faith that like okay these guys can hopefully do that again and then just the fact that the Eagles are this successful team now and they have this head coach and this quarterback, especially, you know, they're a destination place. Like if you're chasing a ring and, you know, you're a free agent and you have similar money between, you know, the Browns or whatever and and the Eagles, I mean, you're going to the Eagles because you have a chance to win a ring. I think oh, that's yeah, like I mean, uh, they can have their pick like and And on top of that, they can uh, they can be like, all right, you know, we don't need you. We already have a Super Bowl team. So people will take less money to be to be a part of this thing. I totally agree with that. BLT. And we saw that kind of like with Daniel Ellerby and Will Beatty, like those guys hopped on late in the season and they didn't play key roles on this team, but they hopped on and they gave the Eagles that extra depth. And they signed because they were like, hey, this Eagles team is really good. I have a chance at winning another ring pretty easy. So that's just another cool aspect, I think, about it to this team. The fact that they're just they're set up for future success. I know the cap situation is tight, but that's because they have their core players locked in. And, you know, there's going to have to be some roster moves. But I think for the most part, you have a, a good, strong nucleus on this team. The leadership in place on this team, like you're going to lose some guys, maybe we do lose a Burton or, you know, uh, whoever here, a Robinson, but you still have that. You still have Malcolm Jenkins. You still have Carson Wentz. You have that strong leadership on this team. And again, the coaching and everything that this team's going to be a force to be reckoned with for a while. And, you know, we I, we always joke about how people said that about the Cowboys. But guess what? The Cowboys are one and done last year. Like they went 13 and three in 2016 but oh but blg off. they they just signed kellen moore to be their quarterback coach so we're like well, assistant quarterback I mean, coach so that, that's, that's they'll they'll that, they, i mean they're gonna bounce back and be uh be a dynasty that's a game changer but they don't have the coach you know we we know garrett it's not good and they don't they definitely don't have the quarterback so the eagles do and that's an awesome thing and that's the next goal for this team i mean you won one that's awesome we're all going to be happy i think we can all die happy now knowing that but you start to get greedy. You start to be like, okay, we got one, but you look at the rest of the division, that's a thought in my mind, and they still have more than the Eagles. And like, if you look at the Patriots and the success that they've had and their ability to, their ability to win a lot of titles in a short amount of time, you know, why can't the Eagles? And then why can't the Eagles suddenly be one of the most successful teams in the NFC East? So that 
is the thing. It's the four-letter word we've been saying all season. It is next. <laughs> yes! Yeah, it's always next here. Yeah. Uh, I, and and, it, and it, the difference here, James, is like there's – you look at the history of, uh, you know, the NFL. There's a lot of like, ooh, man, you lost the Super Bowl, but you might get back and then teams don't. When teams win – this is different, you know. There's there's an attitude swagger. There's a thing. It's like, man, we just. I mean, in the most improbable way, this team dropped their dick on everybody and said, and just started walking on in there. And you know, they they had all this confidence heading in. I'm so excited. I'm just along for the ride. I, I'm I'm going to enjoy the wave of whatever happens next year. The fact that there might be a top five quarterback and coach in Philadelphia. Like, what the fuck, man? I, I aside from the Super Bowl, like I'm I'm just blown away by by all of that. Real quick, I just want to chime in on, on, on some of this other cool stuff that's coming in. Uh, Mike Garofolo, this is how scumbaggy those Patriots fuckers are. The Colts assistants you've uh, heard reported to take those jobs. So uh, Matt uh, Eber, Eberfolos, I apologize, I don't know his name, as a, as a DC, uh, everyone that's there right now has already signed contracts with the intent that McDaniels was going to be there. So they are literally locked in and now whatever head coach comes through there cannot pick their assistants, cannot pick the people that we worked with. Certainly we know that leads to success. Jim Schwartz's and, and Doug Peterson, that wasn't a, that wasn't really a thing, but uh, that's crazy. And now the rumor in coaching circles per Adam Kaplan is that uh, Dave Taub, the special teams guy from the Chiefs, might go land in there and take over. So uh, I, I like the chaos that's already happening and the fact that we don't have to worry about it, Seltzer. Yeah, no, I, I think, look, I think the fact that, um, you know, like you said, Carson Wentz, I don't think it can be underrated how how the fact that Wentz had to watch this team win a Super Bowl and and obviously was a huge part of his BLG set, but you know, he had to watch these guys win a Super Bowl without him. His team, the team that he's the leader of, the team that he you know envisioned getting there and doing this, that that guy, we know enough about that guy to know that he is going to be hungrier than ever, hungrier than before, even though he's got a ring, he's gonna want one that he's the the guy for, that he can lead this team to victory. And I feel incredible. Incredibly confident with that guy and Doug Big Balls Peterson leading the way. Uh, John, it's crazy to think that like we could have a top one. We could have Brady and Belichick. We said that before, and and now it seems like so much more likely that that's a legitimate, real thing that's happening here. Is we've already got one Super Bowl. And it's with Nick Foles, and to to the points you just made. First of all, the Dallas thing. The only thing we need to worry about with Dallas is that we have the thirty second pick in the draft. Yeah, there. buddy, suck it. Uh, which is worth all the first round picks as far as I'm concerned. But um, to the to the point you guys are just making about the roster and all that, and, and just, I, I think, you know, and again, I mentioned it before, giving Doug the credit and what he's done in the Super Bowl. I'm, you know, just the, the way he's built this culture and this locker room and all that. Howie and Douglas, Howie and Joe Douglas, the the job they did just to get back to it, to what Howie Roseman did, and I know it's almost like cliche to talk about all the the guys he brought in this offseason and the impact they had in the playoffs, but it's cliche because it's absurd what this guy did in terms of turning this roster over, in terms of the the guys he got that made impacts, the the guys who just this offseason joined this team, the Patrick Robinsons, all the guys that BLG was talking about, um, all the credit to those guys and then on top of that you know what the funny thing is is I feel like I haven't given enough credit here I feel like most of us haven't really mentioned it enough but like 
Jeffrey Lurie was right about emotional intelligence. All right? Way to go, Jeffrey. We were wrong. I was wrong to, to criticize. I thought that was silly and whatever. And and that dude was right on. Doug Peterson, that's what that guy is. He comes in and he gets his players. Like BLG was talking about, his players love him. And, and they trust him. And he trusts them. And he's willing to call the Philly special in that spot when his player suggests it and knows that his guys want to run it. I mean... It's that's special stuff, man. And and Jeffrey Lurie, all the credit in the world for for following your gut there. And even though you know Peterson might not have been the first choice, might not have whatever, uh, you know Jeffrey Lurie has taken a lot of derision. I've heard, and maybe even said at times, this team will never win a, a Super Bowl with Jeffrey Lurie as the owner. Well. They won a Super Bowl with Jeffrey Lurie as the owner, and, and he had a big hand. And, and again, you know, having the, the balls to cut the chip shit thing short the way he did, having the balls to take his team back. God, well, never have I been ever so yeah, long about exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Like, Lord. we ripped it for all that. And, like, man, um, just shout out to Jeffrey Lurie, the, the, the owner who led the Eagles to a Super Bowl, deserves all the, the praise and credit from us for it. So shout out to the, that whole infrastructure. We, like how many times we joke about Ozzy did it again. We joke about, uh, you know, the Steelers and all these, you know, the Patriots, maybe up until now, with all that kind of just infrastructure that's there from the top down that that there's no dysfunction, there's no BS, it's just it works. I think that's the craziest thing. Not only do we have the roster, the quarterback, the coach, we have that infrastructure in the building, it feels like. It's just... um it's amazing how this thing has come together in such a short period of time. Yeah, and I just remember, I, I remember going back to, uh, and for those that might not know, following along in the team, and I don't know how many Sixers fans there are that listen to this podcast, but go back to a time, for those that do, and for those that don't, there was an owner named Pat Croce, uh, who was just such a delight. You know, I mean, like, that was during the prime time when the Sixers were really good, like when AI was on, on top of everything, they had to the finals with the Lakers and everybody was in love with Pat Croce because he was just an exuberant personality. He was always up front. He was one of the owners that kind of talked a lot. He, I, I, he, he's like a goofy Mark Cuban. If I could, <laughs> if I could describe him like in the so best really good, way, like a nicer goofy Mark Cuban. Yeah. I like that a lot. And, and everybody loved him. Everybody loved him. And Jeffrey Lurie buys this team in 1994 and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's not going the, the, the exactly the right way like Ray Rhodes comes in here and has a phenomenal year uh, again in in a little bit of an underdog mentality in 1995 they were completely written off as they were going to go face the Detroit Lions in Detroit and they end up I can't remember the final score but it was, it was something was 55 57 to, to 38 I believe or 50, it's either 57 to 38 or 58 to 37 one of those something two. ridiculous and I still remember to this day Ray Rhodes speaking in the locker room and going the only thing you can count on is death and guarantee Guarantee is death and taxes, and they rid us off. And you told him to go bleep, 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 bleep. You know, I forget what the, what the speech was, but I was all in then. And then soon after that, you know, there was there was just a, a, a distance thing that happened. Like, it wasn't a good team, guys. Like, there was, I mean, Ty Detmer w- was the starting quarterback, and you're just like, give me a fucking break with this team. And because all those things kind of came to a head, um, you know, there was this thing that just ended up going around. Jeffrey Lurie didn't care about the Super Bowls. 
And that was a constant, like, all the time. I remember listening to WIP and and just hearing people constantly over and over again. I don't think Jeffrey Lurie cares about winning a championship. It was a narrative for so long in this town. And I am so happy that he finally got that done. And, you know, the Oscar things, like, that didn't help him for some reason. He's like, oh, he's just a California guy. Everybody's making up all these damn really stupid excuses. Oh, he's a Boston guy. So he really does. He's not, you know, the typical, he's not from here, like crab and whatever. And uh, you're right, James, like the fact that he is stuck out through all of this uh, and to finally get and it's the only time in my life that you will probably hear me go. I'm so happy for an owner of sports because they are raking it in. Let's be honest. here. I mean, like uh, we can't go. But uh, Jeffrey Laurie does seem completely genuine for the times that. You know, whatever, a handful of times that he didn't give a shit who anybody was around him, but still still a really nice guy uh, and and seemingly very genuine, much like his coaching staff is. You know, it's it's very much that. And we, we honestly forget during the chip times, too, and we had brought it up during, the, you know, one of the Saturday radio shows or, you know, we're going the last one on last Saturday. He's the guy. That talked to everybody when they went into New England and said, I need you to be 53 angry men. I need you. I want my team back. Like all of those things that were in that moment that sounded so ridiculous. I know. Because most of the time when owners interfere, and that's the same thing too. He was down there in the senior bowl talking to Carson Wentz and getting involved with everybody. And you're just going... This is a little much. Yeah. And you started hearing people saying Jason like, Peters, best friend. Jason Peters, best friend. Malcolm Jenkins, never seen an owner interact the way that this guy does. And we all took that as a negative of like, oh man, <laughs> Jeffrey's making calls. This is like, you know, Dan Snyder. This is like this. This is like that. Um, thank you, Jeffrey. Yep. That's, that's, I thank you, Jeffrey Laurie, for. Yeah, and and obviously there's credit for the next 20 years of our lives to give out here. Uh, And for some, probably even further than that. But like this is this is such a special moment. Well, not only for us, because there is when when listening to Jason Kelsey speak and say all those different things, we can all relate to those things, no matter what we're doing in our lives like that is constantly moving forward moving forward there's always going to be stuff that is that is going to be in your way and you just have to keep pushing and finding that happiness finding that goal of why you started this thing called football and where you're going to get to then you add that together with the same thing that Nick Foles was was being quoted as right before he goes and hangs out in Disney is that it's an Instagram type of life it's a Facebook type of life it's look at how good I'm doing and that's what it is you know like the pictures of fucking kids on Facebook and everybody's smiling Island and like, oh man, this this family's great, or you know, this freaking rapper slash uh, IG model, which I don't know what the fuck that is, uh, is yeah, look at I'm I'm doing great, and we we don't know the truths of a lot of how people are dealing with this stuff because there is a mirage, there is this you know kind of huge thing that nobody nobody is just honest about what they're going through a lot of the time and I get it that's why social media is supposed to be fun and you want to go to places that's there but you know we can all kind of relate to that and and to me BLG that's what makes this even more special is we're all kind of connected to this in one way or another like there is I, I see that I see a reflection of myself which is why there is such a connection to this team in particular because they're great on the field but you also know they're great guys and great people uh, also just the the fact that how this was won and I know that there are so many more stories and so much better stories than mine about 
family connections and what this meant for a lot of people when those zeros hit, even though they weren't sure what was going on. And, and we all looked and were like, oh, my God, the game's over. The game's over. And then you're just kind of. You know, try and, and soak that all in. And Seamus Clancy, for sure, like is is has this beautiful picture of him and his dad just embracing and crying and just getting it together. That's what it is to me, BLG. I mean, this is this is such a connected community, and I can't believe that we are lucky enough to talk about all of this stuff with people from literally everywhere that do all sorts of different things in life. And we all on Sundays and now Monday through Sunday, just sit down. We're all here with us. Like, I just feel like it's, it is not any one of our stories. It's all of our stories that are compiled here. And that's why, like, I'm so lucky to have met James and Brandon and this thing just kind of happened and we're here in it. Motherfucker, we won a Super Bowl together. <laughs> you know, like, Jesus Christ, we're all here. Like, what just happened? Like, this is all now, really, right now as I'm talking, it is starting to soak in big time. Like, I am I'm so happy for every single one of you guys, man. Like, this is an incredible feeling that is never going to go away for the next as long as we're alive like we were all here in this moment together and i'm so happy to be with it blg yeah well said johnny and i love you guys i love all you guys who listen to us uh it's it's really incredible the community i think that's a word i try to use a lot we always try to use a lot especially at bleeding green nation because of the comment section and and just the people who have been following for years or the new fans whatever uh, it's just it's incredible the people who come out to hang out with us like Casey Young or Brian Coulter and everyone who has listened to us throughout the years I mean it's just an awesome it's a family man it's a family it's a really a family just like the Eagles are a family the whole city of Philadelphia is just like one big family that's why they call it brotherly love right so uh, it's really incredible we are Super Bowl champions like the whole city yeah it's we we were players. shouting that we uh, BLG, <laughs> we kept saying. I'm telling you go listen to the the walk on Broad Street Brian Coulter went up to literally everybody and said you're a champion sir yeah. you're a champion you're a champion today every single person that went by it was amazing and they are and I, the Eagles won this Super Bowl for the fans in part I mean obviously they won it for themselves but like they they, they part of the reason you know, they talk about it is like bringing that title back to Philly. You can't believe how many questions I heard people ask the Eagles last week. It was like the question of the day every single day. People just were asking, do you realize what it would mean to bring a title back to Philly? And the players did. They got it. They understood that this is a huge deal. And, you know, it's kind of funny because when you kind of take a minute to think about it, and you, like you, you really take yourself outside of it and be like, you know, it's just, it's you can say, quote unquote, it's just sports, but it's not just sports. Like, it's not that simple. It's like this is like you just talked about Seamus, you know, hugging his dad and crying. I think back to, you know, my aunt Gloria and my cousin Justin, who aren't here anymore. And they were some of the biggest they were the biggest Eagles fans in my family. And I don't have like a ton of people who growing up, you know, they're not. Like, I'm the biggest sports person in my family, and my parents are really into it in part because of me. Like, you know, it wasn't something where the whole family was just big sports fans. So, you know, you have those people in your life who or who aren't there anymore, and you, you can't help but think about them and, and hope that they were able to, you know, to know that the Eagles finally did this thing and they won and that this city is Super Bowl champions. And again, the fact that I was like I was saying earlier, this isn't, you know, Philadelphia anymore 
where, oh, you, you guys don't have any rings or empty trophy case or, you know, being associated with that disappointment or being associated with that losing. And it's almost, I think I've seen a, a bunch of people say, it's like, what do we do now? I think you were talking about it last night before the episode got deleted because it's like the the identity of the Philadelphia fan was like, we're used to that disappointment and we're used to to not having that ring and, and being the ultimate underdog. And now they're champions. And it's hard to believe. I think the past couple of days, to me, I've been thinking about it, kind of feel like when you watch a movie and, you know, like like uh, the, the conflict is resolved like a sports movie, you know, they win the championship or whatever. And then that end of that end five minutes of the, the movie is all just like sunshine and roses and everything's great. And that's what it kind of feels like. It just kind of feels like everything's great now. And, uh, we don't know what's next. You know, I talked about dynasty, but you know, the season's the 2018 season is still quite a ways away. We'll get to enjoy being the champions for a while now. I think if it hasn't sunken in for people yet, I think it's starting to hopefully more, and I think it really will at the parade on Thursday, which I hope we will see you at if you're there. Find us because I want to see you guys. I want to give you a hug. I want to give you a high five. I want to shake your hand and say that, you know, we are the champions, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, I, I can't think of a fan base more deserving. Obviously, I'm biased, but people live and die with this team, man. Like, BGN is number one always on SB Nation in part for like a reason. The fact that these people are so dedicated and then we're we're the number one Eagles podcast for a reason. Because you know what we have awesome listeners who are are committed not only to us but this team and to be a part of that and it's really been a blessing. We are we are very lucky. You know, we are very fortunate to be where we are. I can't believe that I was covering a Super Bowl. Like if you went back to two thousand and four me when I was like thirteen Watching the the Super Bowl for the first time, like I could have never predicted that I would have done that. <laughs> so uh, it's just been really incredible. I'm getting emotional as I'm talking about it, and I, I think that's a good thing. I think you know, I think that's part of what makes this special is is having this emotional a moment t- together as a city, as a fan base, and I can't wait for Thursday. I mean, that's what it is. I think we're all getting emotional because you think about that, like. It's whatever on the radio. My like, to, you know, my father passed away almost fourteen years ago, and he's the reason I am an Eagles fan. Like, that's the man who taught me to love this team back with Randall Cunningham and Reggie White and Clyde Simmons and Jerome Brown. And and I remember the day Jerome Brown died, and I remember bringing it home for Jerome. And I still can't get over that the Super Bowl was on his birthday. But um, it's that's what you hear. I mean, just listening to to. WIP the last two days, just talking to my uncle, talking to my family members, listening to podcasts, anything. It's that um, the the effect this has had on families and on like I've heard so many people say I can die happy or my, I know my mother was there watching it. My dad was there watching it. Stories about how much it would have meant to people who are gone. And that's what makes this so beautiful. And like you said before, John, like I think that's part of why this is as great 
a sports NFL, whatever you want to call it, story as there has ever been. Not just how the season played out in a a bullshit, unbelievable way. Like, are you fucking kidding me that Nick Foles, after all that, after coming back in 20, after being the guy for a thousand years in 2013 and and then traded out of town and then cut by the Rams and then the whole the whole journey to come back and for the season to play out that way and Wentz goes down and and the despair and to, to win it the way they did that alone makes it one of the great stories but then when you add in the fact that it's this city and it's one of those things where like this city's whole like Brandon said it this whole this our whole identity as sports fans and almost even as Philadelphians is is this this loser type of thing in the sense that the Eagles, we could never get over the top. We come so close. We have all that pain. All we wanted in the world was a Super Bowl championship. And and to have it happen in such a way, I, I think that the whole story is just too good to believe it's too like we said it's it's like you couldn't have and to go back to it Brandon Graham that's another perfect example that he's the guy who makes the play that after all that dude went through with Earl Thomas and and everything a couldn't be a nicer human being than Brandon Graham like I've told this story before like I I, I used to when I worked for the Eagles and brought my microphone around he no, like it was just a stupid guy working there. I, nobody knew who I was. And he saw me here at WIP years later, like two years later, and, and walked up to me and gave me young was like, oh my God, man, look at you. You're living your dreams. Like he's just a genuine human being. And this whole team is. It's a bunch of great people. There's so many assholes in sports that that you have to root for because they're on your team or whatever it is, the laundry. Like this is a group of guys that I'm like, honored to root for and humbled to root for and for them to close out this epic unbelievable improbable whatever you want to call it story and and for this town to finally get that dream um it's i'm like you guys said like i can't believe we got to be a part of it i can't believe i'm so grateful to every single person person with ears out there who has ever listened or or watched my hideous dancing and John's awesome dancing on our Facebook lives. Or, Let's be honest, it's oh, both of No, no, <laughs> it is not true. He's a great dancer. Don't let him pull you. Uh, or come out to our tailgates every week, you know, just everything. Sales guy John getting us out and we're, we're meeting people and doing things and I just, it has been the, um, the, the whole season has been the greatest experience of my life. The, the other night, Sunday night, by far the best night of my life and, and just uh, everything until it just seems like I'm, I'm happy now. Like there's, I can't stop smiling. July 24th, 2017. Oh, oh man. It takes more than talent. I feel like we got talented players on this roster. Um, you know, I, I don't want to put us in a box and, and, and say we can't do this or can't do that. The season hasn't started yet. Um, I'm excited about the guys we have, the new additions, the draft picks, the free agents. I think they've helped our roster. They've helped, uh, you know, adding some talent around Carson uh, was important for us this spring. We've been able to do that. And, and then just mixing all that together. Um, you know, it does take it takes the coaching staff. It takes leadership from the top. It takes, uh, you know, uh, egos have to be put aside, and, and we have to come out here every single day and work hard. Um, I was on those teams in the 1990s, and they went to two Super Bowls back-to-back with the Packers, and so, you know, I've seen what it takes, and uh, 
I just got to make sure that we're doing those same things here to get us eventually to that. And that, my friends, is the moment that Doug Peterson knew he was probably going to go to the Super Bowl, even though he didn't want to admit it. And now we're here. Started from the draft, and now we're here, gang. So um, I think we're going to wrap this thing up because uh, – uh, this was for every single one of us. This was I, I went to Angelo Cataldi last night when he was coming by at 4 o'clock in the morning prepping for his show, and I said, that was for you. And I shook his hand, and I said, because you've been around the longest here in this building. And he looked right back at me. He goes, no, John, it's for everybody. It's for you. It's for everybody. And this is... Uh, such a again as we just been reminiscing here for the past uh, few minutes it is that it is a large community of people that are here together it was a kid that was completely lost in his young teen childhood and the only thing that I could grasp to were the Eagles and their fans I'm a first generation guy of an Eagles fan you know and and uh, between me and my brother this is what always continues to bring us together it's what brings you guys here with us this this is all of us, uh, and uh, just like Brandon said, I can't wait to see you guys at the parade on Thursday because we are ready to rock and roll. I know for sure that I will be at Broad and Porter, so and I'll be there early at 7.30 in the morning. Let's just enjoy this moment, and uh, certainly we'll enjoy the, the rest of the podcast that we have this week, and uh, after this, uh, gang, we're going to enjoy ourselves for a little bit. So you might not hear us for maybe a week. We're going to unwind and just look back. But I guarantee you we will have a lot of the, uh, the the specialty podcasts that we are working on. We're working on a year in review of this great season. And I can't wait to shake every one of your hands eventually as we uh, you know expand. And we're going to try and take this thing on the road. This has been a special moment, a special week, and going to be a special a moment in the rest of our lives. I thank you so much for listening to BGN Radio number 300, which officially now we are at over 5 million listens on this episode, and it's all because of you guys. Let's go celebrate this thing for the rest of our lives. For, I am John Barcher. That's James Seltzer for BLG. You've been listening to BGN Radio, Sports Radio 94 WIP, Bleeding Green Nation, and BGNRadio.com. We'll see you guys. Super Bowl champion Eagles. Stretch your hand and I'ma chop it off. And then you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. Rwanda and a Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Dinero. Hocus Pocus, Gucci Lopez, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that and pain the mothers. Lost a child, clips from play when they hear the loud. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep again. You eat the sheep or shit, be scared and cut to pieces. I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors are hoarded, makes wine or sober. Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the problem.